Welcome back to the Lily Kate Show. Today we have a fun topic. Well, actually, it's not so fun topic. It's a pretty heavy topic that we're going to be talking about today. I haven't talked about it on the Lily Kate Show as of right now, although I'm excited to get into it because there are some crazy stats and America is quickly losing its standards. Now, the first thing I do want to say is that, yes, we know that the Biden administration had a sweeping mandate for companies with over 100 employees to get vaccinated or else. I don't want to focus on that because all of the other mainstream conservative programs and the right wing and the fringe conservative programs are focusing on that. I want to focus on something that's a little bit more ongoing, a little bit more pressing, and a little bit more dire to the safety of American citizens in big cities. We're going to be talking about homelessness today, and I don't want to come across as this privileged white girl who has always had the perfect household, but I do want to talk about it in a real form. And I want to give a very honest analysis of what homelessness is, what are the causes, and how we can actually start to fix it. At a traffic light, you're waiting to go into the inner parts of the big city and a homeless person comes up and they have a sign and they look so sad and they look at you with puppy eyes and you think, oh my goodness, I just can't do this. The shame, the humiliation, the conviction, the guilt that I feel, I just have to give that person money. You give them money and what do they go do? Well, they probably don't go invest that or buy a house with it or something of that degree, they probably go spend it on drugs and other kinds of harmful and destructive behaviors that humans can engage in. So how bad really is this problem? Well, I actually started looking up some stats to give us a picture about how bad this problem actually is. Okay. Here's a bunch of research I've accumulated. So the five areas with the most homeless populations are the District of Columbia, D.C., New York, Hawaii, Oregon, and California. Now take notice that all of these are Democrat-run areas, but we're not going to make that connection just yet. 39.8% of homeless persons are African Americans. 61% of homeless persons are men and boys. 20% of homeless persons are kids. The number of the homeless in the U.S. is estimated at 552,830 individuals. Half a million people in the United States are homeless. This is a really sad one. 40% of all homeless men are veterans. So obviously these stats don't all add up to 100 because that would not make any sense. They take percentages of percentages and apply specific calculations and ratios based on what they want to divide the categories by. But as we can see, there's a lot of African-American. A lot of them are men. A lot of men are veterans who end up being homeless. And a lot of not a lot of them for a good reason, are actually kids. So, Lily, why are you talking about this issue amid everything that is happening right now with the fall of Afghanistan, the destruction of our nation, and this new COVID mandate situation? The reason I'm talking about this is because this is regarding American people. This is regarding people that were born into the United States, whether they're legal or not. They're here. We should take care of them, and we should do and provide the best solutions for these people. And I guarantee you, at the end of this episode, you're going to understand that the solution is not throwing more money at them. But why spark this idea? Well, I saw this video circulating Twitter and this video really jarred me. This video was something that I watched in horror. All right. This video is also found on my Instagram if you want to see it. 
It is trash covering the streets, homeless people walking around half bent over. They almost look like zombies in a zombie apocalypse because the drugs that they're using or any kind of substance abuse, there's people who are kneeling over, they're kneeling over, they're waving their hands slowly in the air as if it's like a spacey thing. There's clothing, blankets. There are like crowds of people, like one, two, three, four. There's seven people in this one specific shot. Their, their hair is falling out and that's probably due to substance abuse. They look like they're zombies. This is from something from a post-apocalyptic movie. And there you see bystanders just walking right beside them, walking with no problem, just ignoring it, getting on with their day, bent halfway over, leaning against walls, leaning against poles. Trash is just everywhere. I mean, old bike parts, old car parts, blankets, clothing, trash bags, and just litter. This is downtown Philadelphia. Anyway, the video goes on for about two and a half minutes. Just you see the destruction and the despair of these people. And you got to think to yourself, we are throwing so much money on the, quote, war on poverty and at our homeless situations with more housing options, more health care options, making everything free. And this obviously is not working. This is absolutely not working. If someone wants to tell me and call this progress, then we're going to have a little bit of whipping into shape to do because we need to really fully talk about this in an honest way. I brought on someone who I conveniently reconnected with at a birthday party less than about a month ago. We were sitting at different tables when we went out to dinner and I heard him passionately talking about his plan to help and heal the homeless issue that we are having in the United States of America. I started grilling him on exactly how he wanted to help this homeless idea along because he knows and I know that obviously what the government is doing is not working. So maybe, just maybe, you'll be a little bit refreshed after hearing this new perspective on how to help homeless people. Please welcome my friend, Noah Irie to the podcast. Noah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, yes, I'm so glad that we reconnected at that birthday party. First, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? What are your organizations? What, what company did you found? All of that kind of stuff. Definitely. So I founded a company. It's called Common Sense Initiatives, or CSI. The backstory behind the name is, number one, it's, it's a very straightforward name. But when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a CSI. Mm -hmm. And then I realized in high school, I am terrible at science. So that dream was just not going to come true ever. What that company does is we actually lobby in the Texas House of Representatives and the Texas Senate. And we try to get better legislation passed for homelessness and representing them and mainly getting them off of the streets. It's going to be growing. But over the past year, that's what we were focusing on. Mm -hmm. I also host a show. It comes out every Friday called Stories from the upside down. We do interviews and then we also just do some monologues on myths about the homeless and how to fix the homeless problem. Obviously, if you built a whole career around helping this issue, there has to be a lot there, a lot of nuance, a lot of information, um, an uphill battle that we're having with this. I was reacting to a video uh, from downtown Philadelphia. It got me thinking because I was listening to another podcast and they said there are 10 to 11 million jobs that are available to the public after COVID. If there are so many jobs available and our homeless people don't have an income coming in, there has to be some kind of different factor that's playing into the actual homeless issue. So the problem actually is, it's not that there aren't jobs available. Being homeless is actually really 
quite profitable. People who are panhandling down in Austin, Houston, Dallas, San Bernardino, Los Angeles, they're making anywhere from $150 to upwards of $500 every single day just panhandling. Now, some of those people who are homeless and you see them living under bridges in the tents, if you ever drive through a big downtown, you'll just see tent villages everywhere. Mm -hmm. A lot of those people actually do have jobs at fast food restaurants. So they'll go into town, they'll go to a truck stop, they'll shower, then they'll go work for eight or nine hours, sometimes maybe 20, 30 hours a week, and then they'll get high for the rest of the week. So it's not necessarily that they don't have money or that these people are poor, it's that they have a serious drug addiction. The majority of homeless individuals have a drug use issue, and that's the reason why they're homeless. It's not jobs or government programs, it's because they're addicted, and that addiction won't allow them to do anything else but continue to go out and try again and again to get that high. And I'm sure that you know this, but the more that you do drugs, Drugs. I'm not saying that you do drugs, but like <laughs> we all did those DDR classes in high school. The more that you do a drug, it takes more and more to get you high. So that's how much more money they have to spend. Yeah. Not that I would know this from experience, but just from the research that I've done, getting drugs in the inner city is extremely cheap. If you give someone $20 going down and you see them panhandling, it's like, okay, I have some spare change. Here's a 20. That could keep them high for a week or so. $100 to $200 could keep 10 people really high for a long time. As these drugs are getting more strong, as they're being combined with fentanyl, it, it just goes off the charts oh, with how dangerous they are and how high they will get you. And I was watching a documentary that you recommended to me called Seattle is Dying, and it really details the homelessness problem in Seattle. The real homeless you don't see. This is something different. This is drugs, heroin, meth. Citizens know it. Can we at least acknowledge the elephant in the room that this is also a drug problem? I've only heard it being mentioned as a housing problem. This is a drug problem? The quote-unquote homeless know it too. I have not met anyone else on the street who's not in some phase of addiction. You have to figure that out. So I, I wanted to make sure I got that correct. I would say 100% of the people that I have met out here are in some level of addiction. Every single person. Every single person I've met out here. But listen closely. We constantly refer to it as a homeless crisis, not a drug crisis. The fractured, siloed approach of homelessness in our region. To help combat the homelessness epidemic. And the homelessness crisis. We have a crisis around housing and homelessness. If we won't even name the thing that is destroying Seattle, what hope do we have of fixing it? He makes a really good point. If we're not going to call it out for what it is, how are we going to be able to fix it? Reshaping the problem could be the start of a productive solution, and I think that's something that you would support. Is that correct? Yes, without a doubt. That's a lot of the legislation that we support through Common Sense Initiatives is really trying to reframe this. A lot of people just think that if you put these people in houses, a house will solve all of your problems. But if you're a broken individual, a whole house won't make you whole. That's not going to help you. So it really is a drug issue, and that's what we have to focus on. All of these big cities, what they'll do is they'll go and buy out hotels. They'll go and buy out old apartment complexes, and they'll make these homeless facilities where they, as, as you said, they give people these houses, assuming that it'll make them complete. But in California, there are 151 1,278 homeless people, and that's just people who are probably documented as homeless. And I was watching a lot of stuff regarding the Newsom recall and what he's done to help the homeless population. This morning, Governor Gavin Newsom signed what some are calling landmark legislation, earmarking $12 billion to tackle the state's homeless crisis over the next two years. 
Under the plan, 42,000 new homeless housing units will be created and more than a billion dollars will be used to clean up the streets. Largest single investment in providing support for the most vulnerable in American history. And I'm incredibly proud to be able to sign it here today. Wow. Wow, indeed. That is a whole <laughs> lot of money. It is, and there are a lot of things to tackle with what he's saying. So there is this idea that we can get rid of the homeless problem without spending money. And Gavin Newsom is right with the idea that we actually do have to spend quite a substantial amount of money to solve the homeless problem. What he is doing, however, is he's just throwing money at it to make it seem like his problem isn't as bad as it actually is. As a lot of people know, he's going through a recall election right now, and the homelessness has been one of his biggest failures. Right. In fact, it's one of the biggest failures of California. So in these last few days before the election and the last few months before the recall, he's really just trying to do everything and throwing everything at the wall because $12 billion over two years will do nothing. What they have in California is a systemic issue across the entire state that affects not only state governments, but also city councils. So if you really want to make a significant difference, it just can't be top-down uh, legislation and spending that really most of that money won't go towards the homeless. It will be aligning the pockets of the people who came up with this legislation. So the overall issue with what they're saying is how many houses they're building. They think that if you can take a homeless person who's been living on the streets for three years and put them in a house, and it's not going to solve their problem. It'd be like saying, I have an idea to solve poverty. My idea is I'm going to build everyone a mansion. Just because you live in a mansion does not mean you're not poor. So just because you live in a house doesn't mean you don't operate like a homeless individual. So to bring it back to Texas and Austin, they're actually they just bought a hotel last year and it's been people have been protesting it ever since. They spent eleven million dollars on this hotel. Mind you, the city's budget for the homeless is $45 million. They spent a fourth of their budget on a hotel that has not been opened up and has not been taking care of any homeless people. And everyone in that community hates that idea. Because when you take these people who have been living on the streets and you put them in a community, it wrecks that community. It wrecks the home values and it just destroys it from the inside out. You saw that a lot in Seattle is Dying, which I highly recommend to all of your viewers because you can just see the destruction in a city that comes from this homeless pandemic. It's it's really just sp spreading everywhere and we have nothing to stop that spread if we spend money with no abide for reality. So that's a big issue with what Gavin Newsom is saying. Which comes down to our fundamental misunderstanding of what the actual problem is, which just like the Seattle is dying um, clip said, it's a drug problem. The other thing, if I could just add on to this, is that they're coming up with all of these plans and rehabilitation is a great thing. However, there's no enforcement behind this. So you can encourage people to say, hey, we'll supply you with rehabilitation, we'll supply you with housing, with food, with jobs. But if there's nothing coming up pushing them towards that, why would you choose that? Right. You can live on the streets, people will give you money, they'll give you clothes, they'll give you all the drugs you could possibly want. Why would you choose rehabilitation? So another issue with California system and a lot of major state system is that they have given up on enforcement. They have neutered their police departments. They've neutered their enforcement. And because of that, these people, they live like kings on the streets because there's nothing that anybody will do to them. And at the same time, we're talking about defunding the police when half of their job in big cities is dealing with 
homeless people, specifically also homeless crime. In the Seattle is Dying documentary, it talked about how San Francisco had the highest homeless crime rate, and Seattle, I think, was second to that. Threat are they posing to regular civilians who are paying the exorbitant taxes that you have to pay to live in a city, who are doing their job, they have a car, they're paying for all the same stuff, but these homeless people, they come in and, yeah, they wreck the economy because you don't have to pay them very much for them to meet the ends and means of the cheap drugs that they get. So it really is just a fundamental misunderstanding of the problem. So the other thing that we do have to talk about as far as defunding the police is also the legislation and the laws that California has imposed. So if you steal anything less than $800, you're not going to be prosecuted whatsoever. So if you're homeless, I can go and steal so much food from Walmart for $800 and I'm fine there. And then you can go and resell it, which will feed your addiction even more. And even if you get caught, you're not going to be arrested. Not to mention the amount of hygiene deficiency within the homeless community is skyrocketing. I don't know if you've ever had the, it used to be a privilege, it's no longer a privilege to walk down downtown San Francisco. It is vile. It's disgusting. There are people living on the streets there in conditions where people in third world countries would say, hey guys, Maybe we should take care of this. Oh, it's it's really out of this world, and it goes against everything that I believe America stands for. Yeah. Because the essence of America, in my own opinion, is that we have this, I would say that it's this uh, inherent perception that everyone else's inner life is as expansive as our own. So you think in your mind is just as expansive as mine, and I need to respect you as an individual because of that. But when we walk past these homeless people, when we're not getting them the help that they need, even if it may seem like it can be cruel sometimes, we're actually hurting them because we're taking away something that makes everyone fundamentally human. We're taking away their ability to actually live a productive life, and we're taking away their ability to fulfill the social contract and if you're not doing that then you become a drain on society and we look at them sometimes as less than human because of how they live which is not a good way to look at them and we need to change that and the only way to change that is to actually have a strong fist behind the plans that we're imposing here and if we don't have that these plans are just never going to work and we're going to throw more and more money down the drain yeah another fundamental part of the american philosophy though is well, money will make everything better. And I think that's a that's unfortunately a product of the wealth that we have accumulated. There's two things I want to say. One is you're talking about individual rights. But you also have to think specifically when it comes to not being prosecuted for stealing products. You have all these places who if a homeless person comes in, they steal $800 or you know somewhere around that of product. Your business can't afford to take that hit. Your business absolutely cannot. The taxes are already high enough in LA where many small businesses, and specifically with COVID, have been completely shut down. Now with this added, oh, if you just want to go in and take however many articles of clothing you want, you're going to put a lot of people out of business, which is an unintentional but very destructive product of you not enforcing one, petty theft crime, or two, doing anything about the homeless people. So that's also another consequence of that. I I think it's so interesting. At the end of the clip of Gavin Newsom talking, he says that we we need to protect the quote-unquote most vulnerable. And this is, you know, on a grand scale, a bigger leftist talking point. It's always the most victimized, the most vulnerable, uh, marginalized group of people. They'll use the the quote-unquote most vulnerable for anything that they feel like 
they need in that very moment. So whether it's single mothers, whether it's children without masks or having, you know, don't have a vaccine, <laughs> or it's the teachers who don't want to go back to work. Maybe it's black people without a voter ID or just any form of identification. They use it whenever it's convenient for them. Would you agree that homeless people are not the quote unquote most vulnerable because in a way they are doing this to themselves and they in part make more money than some other person who's abiding by the law and contributing to society. So there's a lot of things to say. Number one, they they are vulnerable. A lot of crime does happen to the homeless because there's really no reaction that you can have. So there's a lot of crime within individualized homeless communities. So you can very validly say that they are vulnerable in a sense. However, when the left says we need to protect the most vulnerable, if you notice, they use these people as political pawns in order to achieve what they're trying to accomplish anyways. And most of the time with their regulations and what they're trying to propose to protect the most vulnerable either degrades the people that they're protecting or harms them. So if you've noticed, over the past few weeks, we passed that new Texas abortion law, which is a fantastic piece of legislation. Mm-hmm. I could not be more in favor of it. But if you notice, the people who are coming out against it, they're saying, well, look how many black and brown women these are hurting. Look how vile this is. It's terrible. So to be clear here, it's hurting black people to help black people live. The insanity of that is just incomparable. Right. It's It really can't be compared with anything else. But I do think that it's the most clear example of how these people will take their empathy. That's what left is so good at, right? They're oh, yeah. empathetic. They care so much. And they use it to get more power. Whereas the right is empathetic to a certain extent, but they realize... That's not the goal of the government. The goal of the government is not to be empathetic. It's to create a strong state with productive citizens, and it's to protect them from crime, not against all hardship or mental health or mental health issues or any anxiety or stress that you may feel. It's about to be able to walk down the street at night and not have to worry about being mugged by a crazy homeless person. And that's what they fail by having, how many did you say? 151,278 homeless in California. I can't I can't imagine having to walk past that many homeless people every day and knowing that everyone who is supposed to be helping them, including themselves, are not helping them, do not care about them, and will continue to use them as a pawn to gain more power, to raise taxes on their citizens for no good reason. That's so profound. I love that you bring it up that it's not even just we need to help them. We need to make their lives better. It's literally how can we use them to gain more power, which is a very consistent theme that you see throughout legislation or the speeches or the actual members of Congress who are part of the alt-left. It's always the misuse of compassion, the misplacement of compassion, where we really get into some troubled and some frazzled waters when it comes to legislation. And that's what the left is really good at. It's redefining the purpose of government to be your caretaker. It's, you know, it's not a commander in chief. It's a compassion in chief. And we need to definitely not just reframe the purpose of government, but also, as you keep saying, reframing the homelessness issue, because that is how we're actually going to be accurately able to fix it. Definitely. And have you ever noticed whenever their compassion is not accepted, they go straight to anger. Mm -hmm. So they are compassionate until someone pushes up against them. I think that the best example of this. Well, they're used to it being a cop out. Right. It's a cop out. If you say, oh, I'm empathetic, I'm nice. Everybody agrees with you. But you can see this over the weekend 
Joe Biden made uh, vaccines mandatory with any company with over 100 people. And if you noticed in his speech, he was trying to be so empathetic at first when he first started the vaccines. And now his line was that our patience is running thin. If any governor gets in our way, we're going to get them out of our way. And that is another great example of how this empathy is not real empathy. They only care about what they want done actually getting done and past that they couldn't give a damn but then also the same exact thing is happening in new york because in new york they have 92,000 homeless people mayor de blasio said he's finally found a way to answer new yorkers prayers to end street homelessness he said a five-year timetable three years after he's no longer even mayor open 1,000 safe haven beds build 1,000 new apartments use an army of outreach workers to convince the city's 3,600 homeless street people to come in out of the cold and to use cops to help on the streets and in the subways. Since de Blasio took office, the number of homeless has increased by about 10,000, and officials have had a tough time opening new shelters and building affordable housing. But essentially, he has the same solution as Governor Gavin Newsom. He's throwing money at this problem, and then the next line is, well, in fact, there's been 10,000 more homeless people since Mayor de Blasio actually became the mayor. But let's start focusing on the drug problem. Let's start focusing on redefining the issue and not using them, these homeless people who genuinely do, they they deserve our compassion because they have addictions, right? And they've made decisions to be able to get to a place that they're in. And as conservatives, we actually genuinely do need to have compassion for them, but not help them so much to where the helping hurts and debilitates their own individual rights and individual um, choices to get out of the thing that they put themselves in. I, I do want to focus on this for a little bit. Because when you were telling me at the birthday party how we can fix this, I was so interested and I had never heard anything like it before in as quick of a way as you can, because there obviously is so much here. How do we solve this issue? That is a big question and that is something that my company focuses on a lot. So we actually do have a privatized plan to solve the homeless and this is something that we're going to be trying to- Notice the word privatized. Exactly. A public solution to this will not fix it. And the reason why a public solution will never fix this is because of how profitable it is to be in this business. You think that private corporations care about profits? Wait until you talk to a politician. They just care about profits more more than Jeff Bezos, more than anyone you could possibly imagine. So at the end of the day, what we see as a solution to this is a privatized solution of rehabilitation and relocation. So what we plan to do is through funding that we would hopefully receive from the state government is that we would actually build these people homes, but we would spread it out across the state of Texas. So I'm sure when you were growing up, you heard your parents say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So it's essentially the idea that whatever community you live in and whatever friends you keep, that's kind of going to dictate how you grow up. So the goal of this is to remove them from this harmful community that supports drug addiction. Yeah, urban community that supports drug addiction, that supports panhandling and petty theft. And we're going to move them out. So say we take one person from Austin, we're going to take them to Midland. They're going to have an apartment there. They're going to have rehabilitation. They're going to have group therapy and they're going to have a subsidized job somewhere where they can actually learn how to work and then keep that money in a protected bank account that they won't be able to take out every single day and spend. And then at the end of their rehabilitation process, which we're projecting to be anywhere from two and a half to three years, we're going to say, hey, 
Okay, you can have access to your bank account now. We can set you up with an apartment and you can keep your job. And then we can cycle more people through. So we're actually going with a holistic approach to this where it's going to take time. It's going to take money. But we're not just trying to throw these, this problem at the wall and expect a rapid solution to the problem. When you have a problem like the homelessness, like the homeless, which have been in our major cities for 50 years and we've spent billions and billions, close on to a trillion dollars since the 70s, and it's only grown, we need to change the way that we approach that issue. Definitely. So doing the same thing over and over again will not change it. So right. this is why we're coming at it from a different angle. This is why the privatized solution and the most important part, the secret sauce, is the relocation. Yeah. Without the relocation, these people can at any time, this is the issue with the hotels that are in downtown Austin. Okay, you sleep at a hotel, then you go back out, and then you come in and sleep. It doesn't change your lifestyle in right. any way. In fact, it enhances it, makes it better. Exactly. I do have a question, though. What are the means of transportation that you're going to get people 12 hours across the state of Texas? Definitely. So the means of transportation, because we're only going to be doing one to two people per, anywhere from two to 15 per town, it's actually can be they can be commuted in a private vehicle or in a rented bus. The The transportation is no difficulty. It just depends on where we will be um, first talking with the homeless individuals because we won't, don't want to take someone directly from the street and then put them in a home because that's just doing exactly what Gavin Newsom and Bill de Blasio are doing. So the actual idea is to remove them from the shelters, and then this is the second step to that. So then there's more room in the shelters, so the shelters can do more outreach on the streets and bring them into the shelters. So there's a follow-up step to that. I see. Furthermore, the whole goal of this is that if there's a homeless person from Common Sense Initiatives in your town, you will never know. You're, you're not going to know. You're not going to see them because they'll have, if you've heard of boxables, it's it's like a portable house that's nice. It's $50,000 a piece. Mm. At the Gavin Newsom houses that he's building, it's $150,000 per oh, piece. Wow. So it cuts down the price by a third. They live there. They get transported. They have therapy. They have work. You'll, you'll never know that they're there. Wow. And that's the whole key to this. We don't want to make a strain on any small rural town. So the goal is we offer relocation and rehabilitation, and we do it discreetly. Mm. So that eventually, by the end of this, you'll say, oh, it's cleared up. Look at this. We actually had something accomplished. We didn't have these huge campaigns, but we took it slow and steady, and we won that race. That's amazing. And I love that you'd have the homeless shelters who are already activated doing the first steps and getting them to getting the homeless people to a place where they're ready to accept the help that you give because it almost, in a way, seems too good to be true <laughs> because it's not the government doing it. And I always push on this. I say limited government does not mean small government. Limited government means it's it's limited in the power that it has. But the church. The church. The church, a lot of their ministry is helping homeless people, doing soup kitchens or volunteering, ministering to these people, telling them about Jesus, helping them with their addictions sometimes. The church are the people that should be making the most progress on this. But unfortunately, I don't think that's the case. So can you tell us a little bit about the church's involvement slash harm with this idea? Before I do that, I want to preface this with I'm a Christian. I've, I spent a lot of time in youth group. We would go out and we would hand out food. We would hand out blankets. We really thought that we were doing something good. God's it, work. Exactly. It tells you go out, clothe the naked, feed the hungry. It's a commandment in the Bible, and that's what we really tried to do. 
it hurts. It hurts them so much. Mm. You're enabling them. You're not helping them. Right. It's like a parent of a drug addict who says, you know what? He's my son. I'm going to keep on giving him food. I'm going to keep on giving him spending cash. I'm going to keep on feeding him. And you know what? Maybe one day he'll get better. You're an enabler. You're not a helper. And I understand that that can be really hard to hear. And it doesn't only lie on Christian churches. Most major religions, this is actually a part of their commandment, Hindus, Muslims, Mormons, anyone that you'll come across, right. they all want to help the homeless. But by doing it the way that you do and not and by not having any restrictions on your care, you're hurting them. Sure. You're hurting them a lot. So then what can the church do to have a more effective solution besides use your company? Yes. Well, using my company is handy. <laughs> if you want to give me money, I will take it. We're not really prepared <laughs> for that yet. It's really just in the planning process. But if you want to send me some cash on Venmo, I fully support that plan. <laughs> <laughs> so if the churches really want to help, there are actually some things that churches do which really help. So what they have at some churches is they have showers. So homeless people can come there and shower and they have clothes and they have group therapy for them. So it's not as, I would say, as enabling as going out on the streets and giving them food and giving them blankets and just mm -hmm. giving them sometimes even money, which will hurt them. Right. But it's saying if you really want help, you can come here, you'll come to the doors of the church, and we'll help you here. So the church is bigger than just the building of the church, sure. but that is a way to actually, I would say, weed out the people who want help and who do not want help. That's a good point. The people who want to actually receive help and the people who just want to abuse you. Because there are a lot of homeless people who will just use you for your kindness. So at the end of the day, the state and private companies are the last resource. Mm -hmm. Just like the police are the last resource for mental illness or uh, social Negligent work. parenting and all that. Exactly. So if you really want to make a difference, because a lot of people who are homeless are youth, I mean, this sounds cheesy. Be a better parent. Take care of your children. If they're getting into drugs, if they're hanging out with the wrong crowd, help them out because that's a way that we can stop the next generation of homeless people from becoming homeless. And I think that having an improved family and improved home life will really help that. So that's another solution that we have, but that's a larger systemic social issue that my company can't help. Sure. But everyone who listens to this, if they ever start a family, this is something that they can actually look out for. They can take care of their family. They can take care of their future sons and daughters, and they can help make sure that they never live a life like this, wow. which is way too often becoming prevalent in the United States. One of your numbers says here that there are over half a million people in the United States who suffer from homelessness. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that we can do and my company helps with that but the best way to do it is starting with number one yourself making sure that you take care of your loved ones around you and there are some things that you can actually do to prevent this and that is when you see people going down the street who are panhandling uh, panhandling they're asking for money with a sign like anything helps god bless you or i have three children help me the people who use their children are really really awful don't give them money but when you see people panhandling roll up your windows don't look at them don't give them money i know you're gonna feel like a cruel cruel monster who doesn't love the lord or anything like that but trust me if we can start a movement where we stop feeding their addiction like this we can actually decrease it naturally wow. without having any type of strong intervention wow so which seems very contradictory to everything the church preaches but in the end 
it's the whole idea of you have to come to the cross and kneel at the cross if you want to be saved. You have to accept Jesus into your life. So it's it's no different because Jesus doesn't, you know, come to you and say, everyone's saved even though you haven't even accepted me. Exactly. This is an inherently Christian idea. And sometimes, as we said, helping can hurt. Mm -hmm. So as the final question, because this has been really interesting, there's obviously so much to unpack here. I, I do want to know, what kind of pushback have you received with your company, with your idea, starting out, um, getting funding for it? Has there been any major pushback with this? Yes, there's been a lot of pushback. And the idea of this company and what we've been doing has evolved a lot since yeah. we first started to where we finally got to the idea of the privatized solution. The original idea was to go through the state and work with that bureaucracy. After working at the Capitol last year, that was... It was just not going to work. And one of the major things that I realized after talking to a lot of representatives, a lot of senators, was if you ever, ever say we're going to ban camping, they will not support you. It is so politically unpopular and so many people are afraid of losing their jobs that they won't do the right thing. So one of the ways that I got into this was I was I was 17 at the time. I had this idea. I wrote everything down and I was just cold calling people day in and day out again and again and again. So it would take a lot of calls to actually talk to a representative. Totally. So by the time you got there, you had already done your pitch about a thousand times. And then when you hear that one of the cruxes, which is this stronger reinforcement, it's just not possible. And no Republican, no conservative, no Democrat will even touch it. That was very discouraging. So that was one of the things that we had to rework. And that's why we started to go more towards the privatized solution. Sure. But you have to understand about politicians. And I think a lot of time people who are on talk shows, people who talk about politics, the unfortunate reality is that sometimes we look up to them for no good reason. Mm. They care about their jobs. They care about remaining in power. That's what they care about. There are a lot of good people in politics, but even the good people in politics are not as good as you think. So that's just something that you have to be aware of. And that's some of the pushback that we did receive and something that we've evolved and something that we've gotten past. So I don't care who your favorite politician is. You can put them on, don't put them on a pedestal. They're just like you. They just have the same fears as you. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to lose their friends. So when you're pitching these ideas, that's something that you have to be aware of. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. And I'm glad that you had to go through that to then provide or say that we're going to do the privatized solution because, you know, I don't know. Do private things work better? Yeah. Usually. Usually. usually they really do. Yeah. Look at the UPS versus the USPS. I mean, Huge hey. difference. <laughs> but, Noah, this has been such a fascinating topic. And I hope, Christians, you don't think that this is an unbiblical and unchristian solution. It just has to be thought about in a new way to reinvent the wheel. And someone like Noah has gone ahead of everyone else and said, I'm going to provide the solution. You can look up my website. It's commonsenseinitiatives.org. So you can go there. If you have any questions, there's a question box. If you want to listen to my podcast, it's called Stories from the Upside Down. So his Venmo is actually going to be linked Woo! down below. Yes. If you guys want to donate any money to his cause. Um, <laughs> it's gas money to get back to Austin. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what we're really doing here. <laughs> wink, wink, nod, nod.